From Maine Public Radio and mainepublic.org, I'm Robbie Feinberg with the news on this day in Maine, Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. This Day in Maine is made possible by listener support and by Eastern Basements, a division of Maine-owned Eastern Mold Remediation, offering basement waterproofing solutions, easternbasements.com. City officials in Portland are warning that local services are stretched nearly to their limit after the arrival of more than 550 asylum seekers since January. Officials say the need for emergency housing is so great that soon they may no longer be able to help new arrivals to Portland. Ari Snyder reports. Interim City Manager Danielle West told the City Council Monday night that the city is housing more than 1,000 people in emergency shelter on a nightly basis. Combined with a citywide staffing shortage, West says she fears that Portland may soon hit a point where it can no longer provide emergency shelter to those who need it. So not only do we not have enough space, but we're running out of staff to be able to continue to meet this need. And so we really do need help. Help, she says, that could come from the state government in the form of a coordinated response to asylum seeker resettlement. West says another key issue is reducing the months-long wait period before asylum seekers are legally allowed to work, a change that requires congressional action. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Ari Snyder. After months of debate, the Bangor City Council has unanimously passed a new tenants' rights ordinance. The measure requires that landlords give their tenants at least 60 days' notice of any rental increase. City officials say the ordinance is intended to address housing insecurity and better protect tenants who have experienced sudden and dramatic rent increases. Many landlords objected to the proposal. Councillor Dina Yakabaga says the debate was compelling, but called the ordinance a step in the right direction. In the end, we had to do this to protect tenants, to achieve some because we are not there yet, but to achieve some equity and equality in accessing housing. The ordinance also caps the fees that a landlord can charge to check an applicant's background and criminal history at $75. Those fees will be included in the first month's rent only for applicants who successfully pass a background check and agree to rent the unit. In other news, researchers are spending the better half of the year aboard a boat following endangered North Atlantic right whales from Florida to Canada. Soon they'll be in the waters of New England. CAI's Eve Zuckoff reports on the first-of-its-kind effort from the International Fund for Animal Welfare. The goal for IFA researchers is to fill in key data gaps on the species, which is notoriously hard to track. Researchers can record whales with acoustic monitoring and thermal cameras, take DNA samples, and disentangle any whales they find in trouble. Kathleen Collins, who's helping to manage the trip, says researchers hope this work leads to better management practices that could save the whales. We're really hopeful to help contribute to that clearer picture of where these whales are, what they are doing, and how we as humans can shift to better accommodate and protect them. By the time the boat heads north from Cape Cod in June, Collins says she's hopeful researchers will have encountered and photographed more than half of the 340 remaining North Atlantic right whales. For the New England News Collaborative, I'm Eve Zuckoff. And for the latest on tonight's weather, let's check in with meteorologist Eric Meglars. 
Here's your main public weather forecast for Tuesday afternoon and beyond. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. The winter storm warning continues for the Portland Metro and Southwest beaches. The winter weather advisory will continue elsewhere across the mountains, the interior, down east, mid coast, Moosehead region, and western Aroostook. We'll see periods of snow continue outside of eastern Aroostook this afternoon, steadiest and heaviest in and west of Augusta to the New Hampshire border. Highs will hold in the middle and upper 20s north, and the upper 20s and lower 30s for the rest of the state. We'll see snow finally overspread northern Maine tonight. Light snow will taper off from west to east elsewhere. Temperatures fall back into the middle and upper teens north into the 20s elsewhere. Winds in the northwest at 5 to 15 miles per hour. Mostly clouds and snow showers continue north tomorrow, though sunshine does emerge in the afternoon elsewhere. Temperatures climb into the 30s statewide, except closer to 40 across southwestern Maine. More snow returns on Thursday with a mix of rain at the coast. That's your latest forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. A reminder, you can always visit mainepublic.org for a detailed forecast for your listening area. In East Palestine, Ohio, residents are continuing to call for more government assistance as they deal with the impacts of a train derailment and explosion that emitted a cloud of toxic chemicals. Recent news coverage of the accident has also highlighted the lack of transparency and regulation in the railroad industry more broadly. An article in this week's Portland Press-Herald found that little information is available to the general public on what hazardous materials are being transported by freight trains in Maine. We know very little because, well, two reasons. One, there's no requirement that the railroads divulge what is in their freight trains. And two, the railroads have no desire to divulge what is in their trains at all. Chop Hardenberg of Freeport, the former editor of the industry newsletter Atlantic Northeast Rails and Ports, says this lack of transparency isn't just a problem in Maine. Oh, no, I think we have to realize that railroads are federally regulated, and they will use the, that fact to, to overcome or to attempt to overcome any state regulation. So states have to and have in the past tread very lightly when trying to, to regulate railroads, for example, in trying to find out what is in trains going through the state. Those within the railroad industry, they argue that they need to keep this information hidden due to security risks and, and that making this kind of information publicly available could create a, a big safety hazard. Do you think there's validity to those concerns? Well, yes, in the sense that if... if uh, for example, when we were at war with Germany in the Second World War, we didn't want to have saboteurs knowing what was passing through on U.S. tracks because saboteurs might want to choose to blow up certain tracks. Personally, I don't think there's that much of a concern now about somebody uh, getting in here. However, look at 9-11. So it's, uh, you know, that there's something to be said on each side. I think the, the more important point to me is, or the more salient point is that railroads don't want to let other railroads know what is in their trains, because that means that other railroads can try to steal that traffic away. And I definitely heard this uh, voiced when I was publishing the, the newsletter talking to railroaders. Mm -hmm. 
So these are real business concerns then for these railroads more than maybe safety concerns. Yes, exactly. For example, if um, CSX is bringing in a train of propane to, let's say, Waterville, Canadian Pacific, which has another line in domain from Montreal, can go to the same propane person and say, well, why don't you let us bring the propane in instead? In general, what do you view as the, the larger consequences of not knowing this kind of information about what materials are being carried within these trains? I think of you, you talked about trains being you know close to even your house in, in Freeport. What, what do you think the effect of this is on, on folks who live close by or even emergency responders in, in certain communities? As I understand it, emergency responders would like to be able to know what is in trains before they start passing through the community so that if a derailment happens, they can attend to it fairly quickly. Actual derailments like the one in Lac Magantique uh, a decade ago, or like the one in uh, East Palestine now, are just are very rare. So I think the railroads might say, look, I, we know you'd like to know what is going through your community, but 99.9% .9 of the time, it isn't going to matter. Chop, you also, you did mention that derailment in Quebec from about 10 years ago now. Um, in the months that followed that, a, a lot of local and regional agencies, they, they talked about wanting to be better prepared for those kinds of derailments and, and wanting to get more information from railroad companies on things like hazardous materials or emergency response plans. Did you see any improvement in the years since that happened in terms of getting more information? Well, we saw the the state win the right to see an annual report about what was passing through the state, which unfortunately, I as a journalist, you as a journalist, or even the general public can't see those reports. Anyway, so, so in terms of my town officials here in Freeport feeling better about what's going through their community, it, it's not really an improvement, no. So, so do you think that, that there's anything else that can help to reduce the chance of a derailment like, like what we've seen in Palestine? Well, there definitely is. And that is something that we in Maine could do if we could help the financial health of the railroads, because even if the railroad's healthy in another part of the country, it may not want to invest in its, in its track infrastructure here in Maine. And that means that there's, in, with worse maintenance, there's an increased likelihood of a derailment. The other part of financial health is keeping their employees healthy and giving them time off, treating them well so that they can be alert when they are operating. Both of those points can really help increase the safety of our railroads operating here in Maine. Chop Hardenberg is the former editor of the railroad industry newsletter Atlantic Northeast Rails and Ports. For more on the issue, you can head to our website, mainpublic.org. And that's today's Maine News. For more stories, visit mainpublic.org. And coming up on Maine Calling at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, a discussion of seals in Maine. We'll learn what to do when encountering a marine mammal and discuss the health of Maine's seal population. I'm Robbie Feinberg. Thanks for listening.